given something that is full and complete is given in us that's like, I need something that isn't going to be robbed by the next moment, but I can just remain here forever. Where can that be? And we find our lives searching for this moment after moment after moment. But what we see in Scripture is that there's actually a person that provides that rest and that complete identity that allows a peace that surpasses any moment. So that's what we're trying to step into today. And we're going to talk a lot about rest. And savoring is, is part of that. Um, and I, I want us to feel that, that, man, there's life, is, it, it moves quickly. So there has to be something more than just this life. So rest is something that um, I, I will say personally that I need to learn. I will say there are certain things. Um, we were praying up there this morning. I was just like, this is something that personally is convicting for me. There's, um, there's a lot that I need to learn just about resting appropriately in the Lord, carving out time, making room for the Lord as I have been called to do. And so I'm hoping that we can learn this together today. Um, it's something that um, I will give you a warning as I have um, explored this uh, over over my life, I think specifically the first time that I looked at specifically Sabbath was probably four or five years ago through um, best friend Jeremy Miner and his practice with it. And it is something that is going to require far more than you realize. It is something that will require all of you. I promise you. It will impact not just the 24 hours or moment that you just, you're in your mind of like, I want to rest well. It will impact and reorient every moment of your life. And it should. So it's going to cost far more than you realize. But let's read. Um, Genesis 2, 1 through 3. says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, would you, um, Lord, would you move me out of the way this morning? Would your spirit speak? Would your word be put at the forefront of our hearts and our minds? Would you teach us today? Lord, as we look at the seventh day, Lord, as we look at um, this moment that represents um, a complete world as you had designed it to be, Lord, a, a world that we are called to rest with you in, I pray that you would, as you invite us into that, I pray that you would give us, give us wisdom and discernment and clarity and passion and conviction, Lord, that your spirit would strongly lead us forward towards a life that is full of rest, Lord, towards a life that is at peace, whether it's we're going to work or we're at home or we're in our community, whatever we're doing, Lord, that there would be a rest for our soul that can be found in nothing other than you. Um, Father, would you do that today? Um, we give you all the glory and praise in your name. Amen. All right, so... Um, this, uh, there's, been, there's been a lot up until this point. So we are on day seven. We've made it through. We kind of took them in chunks, right? We started with the very beginning, and then we took 
essentially day one through six. And then we kind of pieced apart day six because on day six, God creates man and woman, human. And he says that they are made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And that, that changes everything about our role within this. It changes, about, changes specifically our value and our identity. It's unique among all of creation. And so today we step into day seven. What we've seen thus far is that God has formed, like we've said, that he's formed these, this, this um, cosmos and then he's filled that with life. Like he fills it with birds of the air and the fish of the sea. He fills it with humans. He fills it with plants. He fills it with all kinds of stuff. Everything that we, as we walk out of here and you see, there's this constant life that is all the way all around us. And it's the result of what we see here. And so we see this. We see this play out. And today we get this moment where you're like, all right, so God doesn't, like, what does he create today? And the answer is nothing. Like there's nothing physically created on day seven. So the temptation is to just be like, all right, I guess there wasn't like, I mean, there wasn't a need for day seven, so you just kind of like move on in the narrative. But I will put before you today that day seven is the point of the entire story. Day seven is everything. So let's understand it. The, 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 the main point that we're going to be talking about is rest. And I want to frame it in, the, in three different questions. What is rest? Why are we restless? And how do we rest well? What is rest? Why are we restless? And how do we rest well? Um, we're going to try to take it as, as easy as possible, as simple as possible. Um, so rest in our culture, um, it, it looks a little bit different than what we see here. So the first thing I wanted to do is understand how do we understand Rest. Um, rest is defined in Webster as a bodily state characterized by minimal function and metabolic activities. Um, oftentimes we think of rest as a result of exhaustion. So we get to the point where like we get tired and so there's a necessity for rest. And so we will say things like this. We work all week and on the weekend we rest. We take a road trips and on, on the highway there's a rest stop because we're tired. We work out, but in between repetitions, we need rest. We go on vacation so that we can get some good rest. We take some time over the holiday season to rest. After the holiday season, we look forward to getting home so we can rest. You know, there's this just like, man, like uh, the way that we think about rest is just like we go, 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 and there's a personal physical limit that we hit, right? And that limit it triggers in us this need for rest. And while I think that's a, that's a really good thing, Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habit, Habits of a Highly Effective People. Great. I want to know seven habits. You want to know seven habits? Seven habits, the, sev- the seventh one is that, is that he says that um, everyone needs to sharpen your saw. Right, so his whole idea is like, man, you can't just keep cutting at a certain point. Like, you got to sharpen that saw. You got to break, and you got to reinvigorate whatever it is you're doing, and you've got to then move forward. So there's this like, if you're going to be effective, you need to rest. And it's like, yes, that's really good. That's that, and in fact, we that's general wisdom. Like, that is a good thing. But when we look at this story, I think you'd have a hard time convincing at least me that God was tired. You know, like as we go through day six, I just, there's not this moment where God's just like, Phew. yo, that was a lot, right? Like, I don't know that I can handle that again. God's not exhausted. 
He doesn't feel that the same way that we feel that. And so the question we need to answer is, what does it mean that God rested? Um, and in order to do that, we need to look at the words. So um, the word that we get for rest here, I don't know if, Caleb, you want to try this thing? Yo, Caleb Baker, look at this. I ask, and he's just like, yeah, dude, we could do that. Um, all right, so the word that we get is rest. We get it twice. We get it right here, and we get it right here. Um, and we see that word play out in two different ways. So it comes over here, and we have, well, that was a messy one. Um, we have the word Shabbat, uh, which is a very important word for us, because it's the word, like, if you would look back at the Jewish tradition, that's the word that would bring about the weekly tradition of Sabbath. So what the word means is specifically just stopping, right, like stop. To Shabbat is to stop. We see it used in Joshua um, 5, 12. And what you see is there's, that's when they're talking about the manna and the manna Shabbated over the people. So there's this, like, there's this stopping that just happens. It's, it stops. It ceases to move forward. And I think we, we see that with the Lord, that it this, this is something that physically, like if we were to just explain the very first thing that God did on day seven is he stopped the work that he was doing. And it resulted in the fourth commandment um, in the Ten Commandments, which is in Exodus 20. It says, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughters, your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or, or the sojourner who is within your gates, for in six days, the Lord of the heavens and earth, the sea and all that was in them, and, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So you get this idea that like this is tied very specifically. They, that whole Sabbath, they tie all the way back to the beginning of creation, this moment where God stopped. And, and as a result of that, we should stop as well. And not just us. He kind of lists their entire life, right? Like everything that you own, everything that you possess, everything should just cease to move forward. And what's interesting about that is in that passage, Moses, who wrote both of these, he uses a different word, right? <laughs> For rested. So in Exodus 20, 11, when he says that he rested, that God rested on the seventh day, he uses the word nuach. I promise you we're getting somewhere. We're just like, we're not going to talk about words the whole time. I promise. Um, so we have these words, Shabbat and Nuah. Shabbat is to stop, but this word Nuah is to remain or settle into something. Um, to remain or settle into something. So the idea would be like um, Brian's walking past my house and he Shabbats. And so he stops. He's like, hey, here's your house. And I'm like, hey, hey BT, what's going on? Um, a new, to nuach would be a little bit different. So to stop and then to come in and to like kick off his, his shoes and, and to settle down and to eat a meal, there's, it's, it's a little different idea. He, he now dwells in my home. And so it's important that we understand what is happening in this moment because to understand that God rests, we can very quickly take our idea of rest and then put it upon the scriptures and be like, okay, so that means that God has his limits as well. But what, the, what we actually see is that God chose to stop and to remain, which is a much fuller idea of the purpose of day seven. It gives us everything that we need to know about day seven. 
Um, it is something that the gift that God gave on day seven was his very presence. God rested on day seven. The way that we would remain or settle into something. So God creates this good, good world. And in fact, at the end, he delights in it right before the last verse on chapter one. It says he's very good. It's just this sense of delighting in the creation that he has made. And then he settles into that creation and dwells within it. And over and over and over again in this passage, you, ha- you can not miss that he also sees it as something that is, is complete. It's finished. We see it multiple times within our passage. In, in verse 1, it says that it is finished. Um, and then on the seventh day that God finished his work and he rested from everything that he had done. Um, and I don't know that I want to go into all the sevens. But you get this, you get this over and over and over again. He's he is pointing to the number, specifically seven, which represents completion in Scripture. Hey, Tim. <laughs> um, and so you see that God has now, he has now stopped on day seven. He has filled the earth with his presence because he sees it as something that is complete. And why, why does that matter? It matters so much because as we look at the whole narrative, remember that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to take this beginning portion, these first two chapters, three chapters, and we're trying to pull it through because we see in scripture that these truths are pulled all the way through scripture until today and where we can see how this impacts us today. And so the question is, why does it matter that God remained on day seven? It's because all throughout scripture, God is moving towards and desiring to dwell with his creation, namely us. Like over and over and over again, you get this idea, like it is a bigger picture of what rest means in scripture. Rest means something much more than what we say that it is. Um, you see rest in creation in the, in the story that we just described. You see um, this, this rest as a sign, which is the prophets speaking of this future rest that's coming, which is the tabernacle and the resting and the dwelling place of the Lord, which is the temple and the resting place and the dwelling place of the Lord amongst his people. And then you get rest in a person. You get rest in a person of Jesus Christ who says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's like, man, how can someone say that? The only reason that he can say that is because the Sabbath that was created on day seven is his. It's his. He embodies that. He embodies every bit of that. So rest shows up as a person, and then it shows up out of Jesus as a future promise. If you look at Revelation 21, like if you look, it's crazy to think about. God dwells with his people, and that's the main thing that we get out of day seven. And if you look at Revelation 21, it says, um, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be, be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. What does that sound like? Rest. You know? So you see rest then becomes 
a much bigger and more influential thread to this whole story that you just maybe didn't realize it was there. Is that rest is actually what we're created to do. The way that Tim Mackey puts this is the, he says the big, the question throughout all of scripture, the great question is will, will humans ever truly nuach rest and remain with their maker? It's the question. And you see this question trying to be answered over and over and over and over again. Then you see a good promise in Christ. Will we rest? So he completes this. He completes all of creation. Um, and I, I think when, when we think about complete, it, we talk about the story of Scripture. Um, it was complete, but maybe on the, not in the sense that we, that we think about it. Um, how many of you play board games? Yes. <laughs> wow. We've got a lot of board game players. Um, so if it's a complicated board game, I, don't, I, I, I do not play. It's kind of one of those things where it's just like I read, but when I say that I, when I meet a reader, like a true reader, they're just running through books, you know, and I'm like, I'm not a reader. Um, so like I play board games, but really just when I'm asked, I'm not addicted to board games as some are. Um, <laughs> but it's um, when you play board games, there's something that has to happen before the game begins, right? There has to be this moment where the game's set up. And for some people, this is the toughest part for me because I'm just like, come on, we got to get on with it. But there's all these little pieces. I hear about this game called Dungeons and Dragons. Never played it. There's a lot of little pieces. That's what I know about that game. But I'd imagine that it would take a really long time to set up before you can even begin the game. So you get this idea that like, man, this thing is complete, but it's complete in the sense that there is so much potential for good. Like it is done. The story is about to unfold and the story is about to be told. But there is still a story that's going to unravel. And that question that we said is still yet to be answered. And so it's, the question is, like, will that good that has been sown into all of creation be realized the way that it was meant to be? Are we truly going to embrace that the way that it was meant to be? So it's complete, and God settles into this day, and there is a completion that leads to something that could be true rest for us. So this is, going to be a, this is going to be a definition that we grow into but um, over, over this sermon. But I, for now, rest is stopping and delighting in the presence of the Lord. Rest is stopping, like we saw, and delighting is my way of just saying remaining in the presence of the Lord. It's what we were made to do. What is rest? That's what rest is for us. Why are we restless? Let's show, I got a video for you real quick. I like Casey Neistat. Um, all right, so I, this is, it, it was just the best way that I could portray how we feel. How many of you would say that like that, that represents your life? Okay, nice. Discipline. You're just like, this is it. It's like boom, 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 boom. And you wake up and it's just like one thing after the other. Are you, would you call yourself a disciplined person? Yay or nay? I got some people shaking heads. There's like disappointment and shame all over this room. <laughs> some of you are just like, yes, but that's what I do. But all of us feel this instinctually just like, yeah, but we have to hustle. Like there's got to be this hustle, right? We've got to go. And I, in, in part, I respect the hustle. 
you know? Like, in part, I get it. And we just talked about working, right? Like, that's what we talked about, cultivate the Imago Day. Like, we were made to work. And I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely part of what we were made to do. And the way that you create absolutely reflects the image of God in you. And you should put everything that you have into your work in some way. But sometimes it becomes more than that. And you know that it's more than that when you, because you begin lying about the way that you actually work. Like we talk to each other and it's almost like there's a shame in saying, yeah, I'm just kind of bored, you know? <laughs> like what's the last time you talked to someone who's like, hey man, how was your week? Constantly the answer is, and I gave this answer just like, yo, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yo, work was, like it was just a busy, it was a busy week. And if they say, oh, you know, yeah, it's pretty, it was a slow week, then you would, there's almost this like search for like, but, but seriously, you say, yeah, but next week, next week's got to be crazy, right? And it's just like, well, if you were to give them the answer, no, nah, actually, I'm looking forward to a lot more rest, you know? <laughs> They'd be like, misery loves company, right? They're going to find somebody else, and they're going to be like, no, but how about your week, though, you know? Because there's something in us. There's this expectation of this, like, <clears throat> man, we have to work, and there's got to be a certain pace that we have to keep. And we realize over time that it seems to be more Less, less actually us being able to schedule correctly and more something that we are doing to ourselves. And we discover that it has a little bit more to some, do with some insecurities and potentially some identity, some misplaced identity that we might not be willing to admit. And so even when we do rest, I'm not saying that we don't rest. I'm not saying don't work hard. But even when we do rest, we rest in in. And when we're told about that, it's usually pitched in a way where it makes you more effective, more efficient, right? It, it makes you a better balanced person. Ultimately, what it's doing is it's serving the master of work. Your pitch this idea is, let me help you be more efficient at work. So rest at times. We've learned that's good for us. So even when we practice rest, it serves a different master. I'm not promoting laziness. Um, I want you to know that that is not what we're doing. Um, but a, a book that's been helpful for me in, in understanding all of this, um, Peter Scazzaro, I'm, we always say resources. Peter Scazzaro wrote a book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And some of this that's in, that I'm going to talk about has to do with um, the Sabbath portion that he writes about in here. Um, and there's a certain kind of rest that we discover is it's just different. Um, with, in the very beginning of that chapter, he, he talks about um, in a conversation that he had with a counselor he called Bob. Um, he didn't give his full name, so I'm just going to call him Counselor Bob. Um, he asked that same question. It was like, why do we fail to rest? Like, why is it that I'm constantly talking to leaders or people and I'm saying rest? And every time I say rest, people are like, yes, rest. Love the idea of rest. But then you talk to them two weeks later, and it's just like they won't rest. And, and he, he asked this counselor why. He says, they can't stop. If they stop, they'll die. They are terrified. They are frightened to death of what they will see inside themselves if they slow down. And you want them to immerse themselves in things like solitude and Sabbath and silent reflection. The terror of stopping reveals the depths of their emptiness. Pete, you are inviting them into practices that might well obliterate their entire sense of self. It's just like, why do we not rest? It's because we can't rest. Like, you can't. There's something 
in you that is dependent on it in a way that we're not willing to admit. Um, but what we see in Scripture is something different. I love that um, Nerissa started with Psalm 23. This is, I want to read it again. Um, verses 1 through, th- through 3 say this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This idea of rest is one that we see throughout Scripture that we can't find outside of the Lord. You simply can't do it because what happens quite, quite literally is that you're transferring your identity from one thing into the other. And in order for there to be rest, there needs to be security. Like there needs to be this sense of everything being at peace. And that doesn't mean the world is at peace, but it means that you know who you are and you're okay. And you're okay with stopping and there's not a dependence on something outside of you that you can't control. And so that thing can be a million things. But if it's anything other than the Lord, it's going to be something that you can't put down, right? If it's something that you can't put down, then you're going to have a hard time stopping and dwelling. But if, it's something, if you're able to put that feeling of, I need something to protect me, I need something to provide a safe place where I can remain, you put that in Christ, and there is an opportunity there to rest, not just in a moment, but is who you are, to embrace a new identity as someone that is at peace with the Lord. So you rest. And sure, that plays out in physical ways. Like, sure, that's going to change the way you reorient your day, and that's going to change the way you make room for rest. But most importantly, it reorients your your heart towards the Lord. That's what it does. That's what true, where true rest is found. Um, All right, I want to, man, time's flying. I want to revisit this idea of Sabbath. Um, I think we're just going to go to, yeah. Let's go to Jesus' opening line. His opening line. So we've talked about this before, but in Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19, the very first thing is Jesus walks into, um, walks into the temple on the Sabbath. And I don't know what it is with Jesus' ministry. Now it makes a little bit more sense, but he heals seven times. Of course, it's seven times. There's seven healings on the Sabbath. Um, but it, it feels like he's constantly walking all over this idea of the Sabbath. Um, and I think one of the things that can kind of result in us it, to have a misunderstanding of the role of a Sabbath and what that, the gift that it is for us. Um, but the reason that he's walking all over it is because the religious leaders of the day are truly offended as what they've created the Sabbath to be and what he's not acknowledging. So the very first thing that he says as he steps into his ministry in verse 18, now it's the Sabbath day, he's standing in the temple. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor is the Sabbath. Like it's this ultimate Sabbath, right? And so there's this, the first thing that he says, you can look at that and be like, sure, that's Jesus' ministry. But if, there's, if you're a Jewish person there at that day, you're looking back and you're saying, he's saying something very significant about who he is. He's saying that he is the one that represents this greater Sabbath that we've always been promised to have. And 
as he walks throughout his ministry, you see it play out over and over and over again that he does these things. Or he, sets, he gives liberty and freedom. And, we, and he invites you into that rest. So rest, man, the first thing that we saw is that rest is stopping and delighting in the presence of the Lord. What we're going to see next is that rest is surrendering your rule and delighting in the presence of the Lord. It's a more teased out way of saying um, stopping. So the last question that we have is how do we rest well? How do we rest well? Um, So again, Peter Schizaro defines the Sabbath as this. He says, it's a 24-hour block of time in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And he puts up these images. Um, I just had to take a picture of them. That's the best I could do. Uh, But he's explaining this is the secular rhythm versus the sacred rhythm, and this is what we see in our lives. So the secular rhythm is something where we work, 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 and then we vacation, you know? It's almost just like work, 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 crash. Um, And then you see this sacred rhythm, which has been sown into creation by God in this story. It's so relevant for us today, where there's there's this flow, this natural flow of work and rest, and work and rest, and work and rest. And the reason that we have a hard time giving up that work, like we said, is because of identity. But if we were to talk very specifically, remember that our role has to do with dominion, right, to rule and to subdue. So we carry this role of having dominion and ruling in this world, and we have a hard time giving that back to the Lord. Like there's, we have a difficult time in saying, man, this is what I was made to do, to do, to rule and to reign and to, be a, to cultivate the world as I was called to do. And we have a hard time trusting the Lord with that again and, and again re-gifting and saying, Lord, this is yours. Like you are the ultimate ruler and creator. And so there is this sacred rhythm that we're called into that we see that God sows into all of creation. It's with work and rest and work and rest. So he gives three practical things, and I wanted to give them to you. Um, In order to Sabbath well, in order to rest well, we must stop first. Um, The ideal, I wanted to get as practical as I could. Um, The temptation is to make this um, legalistic and for us to walk out of here and be like, okay, this is what I got to do. But I want to give generalities about this is what a healthy Sabbath would look like. so uh, he, the Sabbath, um, Shabbat, which would have happened on Friday, um, was from sunup to sundown because that's when, that's the way that we see time oriented in the story of creation is sunup to sundown. And so at six o'clock on a Friday, if you're in Jerusalem, you are going to see people probably around four o'clock preparing for six o'clock. Like they are going to be constantly like getting all of their stuff ready so that they can stop. Right? So at 6 o'clock, everything stops. And then on Saturday at 6 o'clock, everything begins again. So the first thing that we need to know that has to happen is at some point, you just need to stop. And just to be very practical in, in my own life, as I have began to try to practice this, what makes this so hard is that in order to stop, you need to prepare to stop. Like, there's not just, like, work that you, you're paid for, but work around the house, you know? Like, if you're going to make room for you to dwell with the Lord, there needs to be some intentionality on Thursday and Wednesday and Tuesday to say, I'm going to make sure that my life is ready to stop. 
So what it does is it begins to reorient not just a 24-hour block, but kind of your entire life. You begin to think about rest and future rest, and there's this anticipation for, ah, I look forward to that time where we can, I can sit and just, and just be with the Lord. Um, and so stop. The first thing that we need to do is just, just stop. And the second thing that we do is we rest. Um, so I think um, the way that he puts this is that you need to engage in activities that restore and replenish us. If we go back to our passage, we see this delight in the very, very end of chapter 2 um, that... I think it gives us insight as to what it looks like to correctly rest, is to have this delight in the Lord um, and the things that he's created. And so I think as we engage in activities that restore and replenish us, that doesn't mean that it's us. I think what we do is we begin to ask ourselves questions as to like, man, what has, what has the Lord done? What has the Lord done this past week and created in my life that I have, I just need gratitude for? Um, what are the things that I get to do um, that bring about that delight in the Lord? That could, be, that could be sitting and reading the word, that could be time in prayer, but it could also be going for a hike, you know? <laughs> like it could also be a really good meal. Um, it could be time with friends. It could be time sitting around the table playing a board game like there's something that like to have joy on this day is a good thing so to make room and for these things is a good thing but you reorient your life and your mind in a way that you're just like man this is something that ultimately is a gift from the Lord so you're reflecting on all of these things that you're doing and saying man how does this teach me more about who God is God's given me good relationships I'm grateful for that I'm looking forward to sitting down for a cup of coffee on the Sabbath so that I can enjoy a relationship with my wife. I can enjoy a relationship with my kids. I can enjoy a relationship with anyone else that God allows to sit in front of me. You know, like there's these moments where you're just like, man, God, you're reflecting on everything that God has done. You're resting. And then um, the final one is delight. So um, what gifts has God given you? What has God been teaching you? What has God used to bless you? What prayers has God answered? Um, man, Skizera says, be intentional about looking for evidence of God's love in all the things that he's given um, us to enjoy. That's what we're called to do. Now, the reason that this is really important um, is because rest doesn't... Um, we said that it starts with creation. It is a sign. Uh, it embodies a person, but it's also a promise. You know, there's this future rest um, that we're promised with the Lord. Like we read in Revelations 20, 21 that, um, man, we with, like, excitement look forward to. Like, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a part of the kingdom and the body um, of Christ, there is, there is this excitement that we have about this future that where we will again see this restored and complete world, right? I mean, I think that's why Genesis 1 carries through the entire story. Like, this is all going to be restored. And so what you're doing when you're carving out this time is you are surrendering to the Lord, you're delighting in God, but you're also, you're also looking forward, you know? There's this also practicing of future rest is a way that I heard it put. I forget who said it. Practicing future rest. Um, 
Yeah, I, I love what Narissa said in the podcast about Christians should be able to do nothing, you know? And it's true. It's true. There should be a, a, an identity that we have in Christ and a rest that our souls have that allow us to be at peace with putting everything else aside and just dwelling with the Lord. Um, it's an invitation that we have. So Paul make uh, well, there's opinions about who wrote Hebrews, so I'm going to leave it at that. Um, uh, the author of Hebrews, I'll say that, um, in chapter 4, uh, 8 through 11, it says this. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Man, what what he points to is the rest that was missed in Egypt at the beginning. The rest that was missed at times in the story. And he says that rest was the result of unbelief. And he says it's really, really important that... As you believe in Christ, that that results in a rest, an actual rest for your soul in Christ, but it also res- it results in you striving for that rest. You get this sense of like, man, this is for today as well. Like strive, earnestly carve out this time, earnestly pursue the Lord, earnestly place yourself in a position where you are dwelling with the Lord and, and make sure that that is something that as a believer that you're constantly doing. It's something that's going to sustain your faith is what is the argument that he's making. It's something that sustains us. So we strive for that rest. Um, as we finish today, I wanted to make time for communion. I'm, I'm excited to come to the table because, especially in this passage, um, because it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a promise of our future. And, and that's, what, that's what the table is. Um, it looks back towards, towards the sacrifice of Christ, but it also looks forward to this future table where we're going to be able to sit together with the Lord. Um, and there's a good feast that is prepared for us. Uh, and so now we have these reminders. And reminders are good. Reminders are good. Um, I often think about my wedding ring. Like it's this promise that I've been given that I have this. And this is, doesn't make me married, but I have it. Um, as a reminder that I have made a promise. And it's kind of what this table is. It's just like, man, you aren't saved because you come to the table, um, but it is this table that reminds you of what has happened and a future that is yours. This is future good promise. Um, so let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 11 um, as, as um, I don't know who we talked, but the team passes out um, everything that's needed. So uh, 23 through 29 says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord is an unworthy, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and so eat the bread and the cup. So if you are a follower of Christ, we invite you to um, join us at the table. Uh, we have a, I mean, because of COVID, this is what we got. 
Um, but we are um, grateful and honored to continue to just remember everything that the Lord has done. And I'm praying as, as we um, come to the table that there would be an examining of ourselves um, to examine if we, have, um, if we have truly entered into rest with the Lord. Um, and that, that rest first comes through knowing Christ um, but as a result, if we were to look at our life, would you say that there is time that is carved out, that you have made time for the Lord in your life um, to dwell with him, to reflect on him, to rest well? Um, let me pray for us this morning. Um, Father, we are grateful today, um, grateful for today to come to the table. Um, Lord, grateful for your sacrifice, for um, for your body and the blood that was shed and the new life that we have through the resurrection. Lord, I pray that, um, Lord, teach us to rest well. Um, Lord, that if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, that they would know that they can find their rest in you first and foremost. Um, but then also uh, that there is a, um, Lord, there's a good um, promise that we have uh, that can be realized in part now in the way that we make room for you in our lives. So, Lord, help us do that well. Um, show us what it looks like to do that well. Um, Father, we love you. your name, amen. Go ahead and take um, the cup and the bread as you feel left.